Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. What up, everybody? Welcome to Come On, Son, the podcast with me, Ed Lover. Interesting conversations with interesting people. And my guest is probably one of the most interesting dudes in hip-hop because there's a lot of misnomers about him. He's had some of the hottest records in hip-hop, been friends with some of the hottest artists in hip-hop, and then he transitioned from hip-hop to stand-up comedy. And since this is the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, all across the globe, I thought that I would talk to some people embedded and ingrained in hip-hop, and you'd be hard-pressed to say hip-hop, New York City, and not say the name Positive K. Positive K's in the house. Give it up for Positive K, y'all. Hot. Yeah. Pause, what up, brother? I yeah, appreciate it, man. I was waiting for the call for the come on song. I said, I said, look, the, the, I ain't get the call yet. Well, brother, you know you and I go way back. Since Andrew Jackson. Absolutely. Yeah, so, right. So you here now. Where are you from? Are you Brooklyn? Well, I tell everybody I'm from the world. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. <laughs> but now I'm from um I'm from the Bronx. Born and raised in the Bronx. Okay. Then I moved to Queens. So I'm like a hybrid. So where, you know where, where were you in Queens? Where, what part? Uh, I was in Queens. Like like uh, I went to Jamaica High School. No way. I went to Jamaica for about two, three years. Um, you know, and I moved around to Newtown and got into, you know, I was bounced around a lot. Right. You know, I was bounced around. But I was a math whiz. But I, okay. got, I got into a lot of trouble when I got to Queens. My transition to Queens wasn't easy. Okay. Yeah, and I was like going from, you know, Rikers Island going to two dorm or something. And Queens was <laughs> that's, a, that's a Queens joke. You know yeah, what I mean? You got to know Rikers two, Island. Two up will make you suffer. You know that's what I'm saying? Absolutely. So when Oh, the Bronx, man. I was born in uh, between um, Webster and uh, the Cross Bronx. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Well, Tremont, between the Cross Bronx and Tremont off Webster Avenue. Do you remember what it was that made you want to become an MC? Uh, my grandmother lived across from Echo Park. And I used to see everybody pull the uh, the equipment in there. I seen Busy B. I seen the young Busy B, the young Melly Mel, uh, the young Flash. All of them guys. I seen them come in there. Man, I used to sit there and just, and just be in amazement, man. Yeah, it was an amazement. I see the Jazzy Jazzy Five did a did a house party. My uncle owned a corner store, and they did a, they did a house party right next door. And they were outside the window, passing the mic around. And I grabbed the mic and did a little lime to the lemon, lemon to the lime. Okay. And, the, and the girls was like, oh, he's so cute. Look at him, he's so cute. And I said, this is it. 
this is, you never wanted to be a DJ because a lot of never. MCs start out and want to be DJs. A my lot of producers also. My timing was never good for DJing. I mean, I tried it. You know, if anything, I'd be a blend, a blend DJ. I was never uh, on time for that. Right. You know, but that microphone was just natural to me. Okay. Okay, so you started rhyming in the Bronx, or you doing like what? Rhyming in the Bronx. The uh, park jam, stuff like that? Doing, get, get in the microphone. Let's shorty, give shorty the mic. <laughs> give shorty the mic. And then I get the mic, hey, okay, yeah, she has shorty to the beach, you know, you don't stop. Right. You know, that was it. Yeah. So what, what were you doing by then? Uh, you, are you ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> I was like when she was early. MC names or DJs. Oh man, you know, it was, my name was Baby Breeze. Baby Breeze? Where the hell you get that from? <laughs> I thought Breeze was cool. All the skis were taken. Okay. Everybody was a ski. You're right. Or you know D. What I'm or D. That's right. So it was, it was you know, right. yeah. My well, name I, I my, had Eddie D back in them days. And my government name was Daryl, so I wasn't going to do Daryl D. Right. You know, but wasn't there already a Daryl D? There though? was a million Daryl D's. <laughs> <laughs> So I said, Baby Breeze was it. That was so me. if you were Baby Breeze, should there have been an older Breeze? There wasn't like a grown Breeze that, that, you, were like under, I don't know. that you were underneath him? Because you know you, you take a name like that. There's an older cat, right? Well, that was, that was, that was before this. That was, that was big. It was big this, big this. I was a baby then. It was baby. Okay. Baby Breeze. So when did Baby Breeze become positive, Kate? And how did Baby Breeze become positive? Um, move the Queen. And your name is Darren. So where did the K come from? Um, move the Queen. And I ran into the guards, you know, ran to the guards, went to Jamaica High School, ran to, first I ran to this dude named Sweetie G. Oh, I know Sweetie, Sweetie G, G. You know, come on, man. To be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, New York. Yes. <laughs> Sweetie G, actually, big up to Sweetie G, Glenn. Glenn Toby. Glenn Toby. Sweetie, actually, what was the name of the club right up on Francis Lewis? Olympia and, Palace. At Hillside. That's right. right. That's the first place I saw Sweetie G. I was the, uh, I was, the, I was his record boy. Back then, that's, that's how you started out. Right. He was your protege. Absolutely. I was protege, like, like, like uh, what, um, uh, Run was, was Curtis Blow was protege. Yes, he was. He was a protege. That's how you started out. Yes. So I was a protege. DJ Run, the son of Curtis Blow. The son of Curtis Blow. That's right. That's right. Check the records on that. Um, so I was his record boy. I used, to, I used to carry his records and his little his little rhyme pad and whatnot. And, you know, had my little sweatshirt on, you know. Right. You know, Baby Breeze. <laughs> <laughs> Even then? Even then, I tried, I tried to bring it to Queens, but it didn't last, it didn't last long. Okay. You know, so he's like, you got to change that name, man. The name got to change. You know, so I changed it, man, and um, I got with the guards, and I started, you know, became a part of their 5% nation, and uh, I was thinking about what would be the dopest name I could have, being a 5%er, and I said positive, you know. Okay. Positive, then it came to be positive knowledge. Okay. Positive, positive knowledge on law. That's what the positive K got broken down. Damn, I knew it was something to it, bro. So positive is what the guards called you. Positive knowledge. Positive knowledge. Positive knowledge, God Allah. Positive knowledge, God Allah. Okay, so how did positive knowledge, you being part of the 5% nation, how did that translate into you becoming, I understand the pause and then the knowledge, positive K, but how did that whole process happen for you doing that, being baby breeze behind Sweetie G? How did you get your deal? Who heard you? Um, well, Sweets was, Sweets was instrumental in that. He knew Mike and Dave from Harlem. Okay, you know, and um, and we were working on some some songs, trying to get me going, you know, because I was I was aggravating them every day. I mean, it was like sweet, sweet. I was calling everybody Spider D. You remember Father <laughs> I know Ta Spider D. Father Tahir. Father Tahir. DJ Divine. Yes. I was aggravating that Davey D. Yes. I was aggravating every day, but but Sweets was the one who was like, come on, man, you got you got something, you got something, and uh, we did a song. We drove all the way to West West East Islip in Long Island. Okay. Like I felt like I was going. 
I don't know what that, that far. That was far. That far from Queens. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I forgot where we was going. You right. know, when I got there. You know, so we got we, we recorded the song, and uh, it was called a song called "Getting Paid." Okay. And uh, then he called me maybe about a month later, and he was like, "Hey, this guy named Mike and Dave, good friend of mine. They do they do parties in Harlem, but they want to do a." a Are con- you talking about the same Mike and Dave from Crash Crew? Mike yeah, and yeah. Dave. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mike and Dave taking Mike, Mike over the town. That's right. Now the happy people well, dancing to the beat of the Vicious Crash Crew sound. That's yes. right. Mike that's and right. Dave was really legendary. They were legendary. But they started, they wanted to do a um, a compilation album. Okay. And the album was called Fast Money. And they was like, hey, that song would be crazy to put that on the compilation. We want that to be the first song, the getting paid record you got. You know? And, uh, and that was my first song. And Sweetie G did the deal for me and got that done. And uh, that was my first record, and I met this other guy who had his first record on the same compilation. His name was Rob Bass. Oh, wow. Yeah, he had a song called DJ Interview. Okay. And then it was the Most Most Crew was on there. I like the frames with the relish and the mustard, and they was, <laughs> they was dope. They was dope. And um, that's what it was, man. It was a dope compilation, and I remember getting it played, getting played first time on, on Mr. Magic. It was oh, on wow. a world premiere, world premiere. That was, that was everything. Man, that was incredible. You know, you know what that does to a young rapper to hear uh, Mr. Magic breaking your record and you heard that world premiere, world premiere? Yeah. Man. It's I was, bananas. I was up for I don't know how many weeks. Now, <laughs> the whole time you're doing this, there's no real money involved in this at there's all. There's no cash. There's still no cash in it. No, back then it was it was zero. You was definitely coming out your pocket for everything you was doing. Right. You know, going to the parties, whatever it was. But Queens was a town. It was a hustle town, man. We, we everybody was hustling in Queens. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we all had money. Matter of fact, we had more money than than, than, than the artists that had money. Yeah, you know, much. Queens is queer. I was, I was living on the South Side at the time. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So I was coming through the South Side and going up on, on Hillside. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I knew everybody from Hillside, Southside, and then I was going back and forth to the Bronx still. Okay. You know, and at that point in time, I got I got linked in with the Zulu Nation and on the Who's Who's in, in, in the Bronx, and uh, I hooked up with uh, Lisa Lee and Shy Rock. Wow. And uh, her brother was... Is Shy Rock the first female rap artist? Not only she's the first female rap artist, I always thought there was a little... It was, it was, a, it was a split between Lisa Lee and Shot Rock. Right. But uh, not only were they the first ones, they were the first ones that got me on the microphone, live, on stage. Wow. Yeah, they took me to, um, me and her, her brother and I were, 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 got tight. Only job I ever had was cutting hair. And he used to cut right beside me <laughs> in, my, in my uncle's barbershop. Oh, wow. That's right, right the Bronx Clippers, the Clipping Grounds. Wow. And uh, you know, I jacked a lot of, pardon me, I, I messed up some dudes up in, up in the Bronx. <laughs> they, they still looking for me right now. <laughs> You had the who's and man handcuffs. Oh, you know what I mean? Drake was you, giving out. You hear that sound? Eh? He said, oh, <laughs> man. You know, especially the Latin brothers. They was tight because you yeah. can see it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so they hooked, they hooked you up. And what happened with that deal with Mike and Dave? Did it fall apart? What happened? Uh, well, you know, it was a compilation. Those guys, they was just, you know, you know, it was just some ground floor stuff. But it, it right. was good for the hood. It was good for the, it, was, it was good for us, you know. It gave me the incentive to let me know that, hey, you on the right track. You're doing the right thing. Right. You know, because my mom and dad was like, you need to go, you need to do something. You know, you need to go like, fix trucks or do something. <laughs> do something. <laughs> do something. Get a token booth yeah, clerk that's job. That's what I was saying, yeah. you know. Yeah, Some good ass city jobs was always it, in the back of your mind, exactly, wasn't it? Exactly, exactly. Your parents will let you know. You San- get some benefits. Sanitation was smelling pretty good, but no, sanitation was always smelling good. <laughs> for real. You know that. So how did, so after that, what, what happens? What make what transitions to your first big record? I, I broke out from there and um and like I said, I used to I used to harass everybody. I was calling Def Jam 
all the labels, Spring Records. Okay. You know, I, you know, I took a page out of LL book. I'm like, I'm calling every label I can find. Right. You know, so I'm going to every label. I'm calling everything. So you're actually picking up the phone. Picking up the phone, and I'm aggravating labels. people. Aggravating people. Every day. Every day. They like Positive case. This guy, Positive case, on the phone again. Every day. So one day, I speak to this lady, and her name is Heidi Smith. Mm. And I said... I said, listen, I said, I'm calling back to see, maybe did you guys listen to my demo yet? And did you, she said, you know what? She did said, you take the demo out there? No, we, you had to mail it. You couldn't, you couldn't do okay. it. Okay. You know, I dropped a few off, but you had, you had, you know, yeah. you had just like mail it in. And she, but she got it. And she was like, listen, you're going about this the wrong way. She said, I'm going to tell you something. She said it. She said, I like you. You're always calling. She said, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to you. So I'm going to hook you up with this guy. He's a manager. And he's going to show you how to, how to walk through this thing. All right. I'm going to make, make, make the contact. Give him a phone call. His name was Lamumba Carson. Okay. Lamumba Carson, and if you know who he, he came to be, it was Professor X the Overseer. Professor X, absolutely. That's right, the son of, of, of Sonny Carson, the yes, black, black activist. Yes. Um, and uh, I met him at Brooklyn Restoration Mall. Never forgot. Yeah, he I know was, that. Is. He was three hours late. Now, I don't think you understand, coming from the Bronx, going from Queens, living in Queens, going to Brooklyn Restoration, and it's one in the morning. <laughs> He was three you, hours late. He was, yeah, it's one in the morning. I'm like, I'm getting ready to get out of here. Right. And I'm walking out. And this Are dude, you standing in front of Restoration? No, I'm, I'm, I'm inside. Okay. I'm inside. This is like a, a after-hour bar. Right. I think it was called Mahogany's. It was, it was it called was Mahogany's. Mahogany's. It yes, was Mahogany's. Right. So I'm inside, and I'm like, man, this is getting crazy in here. They, they, they shutting it down. I'm like, it's one in the morning. I'm in Brooklyn. You know, I got to hit, hit, hit the train. That's right. And the bus. And the bus. And I said, yo, man, this guy ain't coming, man. This is this is bull. I'm walking out. He says, he said, is that the God positive? You know, I'm like, Lumumba? He's like, yeah. He stayed in there, man. We stayed in there the whole night. Oh, wow. Till the next morning. Matter of fact. You know what I'm saying? He's been, this is my place, man. This is my house. This was my home. Right. So we sat there with night. He played with the, the DJ booth. We played the record and, you know, getting paid joint. And I played some ideas that I had for him and whatnot. He said, you know what? We gotta get you some songs. We gotta make you some songs, you know. And uh, he had a meeting for me with a guy named Daddyo from a group called Stetson Sonic. Yes, sir. That's right. And next thing I know, about two weeks, three weeks later, uh, there was a song on the radio called "If You, if you Can't Say It All." Don't say nothing. Just say Stet. <laughs> oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. Don't you say it all. Just say Stet. Right. And that's when Stetson Sonic just took off, and and I was like the little baby project for Stetson Sonic, you know. So. Daddy-o. So Daddy-O did your stuff? Daddy-O taught me how to count bars. Daddy-O taught me how to do song structure. The whole nine, the whole, the whole shebang. Daddy-O was the first one to get me in the studio. And then he was like, yo, you be in the Bronx? He said, we got to go to Jazzy J's. Let's go up to Jazzy J's. So we went to Jazzy J to do my, my first record, which was called, was called Quarter Grand Fam. Right. Yeah, right? And, uh, and while I'm in Jazzy J's, Jazzy said, yo, one of my new groups, guys coming in from my new group is coming in. And his name is uh, Graham Pooper. He's with a group called Masters of Ceremony. I'm like, worry, what's up, Pooper? And me right. and him just hit it off from, from day one. After that first day, me and Pooper was on the phone every day talking. I was going up to New Rochelle. He was coming out to Queens. Right. You know, we was meeting in the Bronx, going to parties, whatever, whatever. The next thing you know, uh, he breaks with this song called Cracked Out. Right. And Sexy. Sexy know. was the, really the one. Sexy was the one. Sexy was the one. Yeah. So, so it progresses. I'm going to the Bronx, working at Jazzy J's. A lot of guys is up there. A young guy named Diamond D is up there. Lord Finesse is up there. Fat Joe's up there. No one has records yet. Right. But we just we just in the studio, you know, vibing with each other. Um, my mumba calls me and says, "Yo, we got we got to go to Brooklyn." 
I think I might have a deal for you. He said, this guy named um, Nat Robinson has his son and, uh, and, and his daughter, and they wanna, he wants to drop three records at one time. You know, he's not played, he's not played quarter grand pan for him, and he loves it. So they dropped these three records, and it's quarter grand pan, crammed to understand you, and top billing. Right. And everything just just, just steamrolled from there. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. It steamrolled. So from you there. you met them early, early. Early, early. I mean, no one had records. Audio 2. They didn't. They, MC I think Light. They had um, Cherries or something. I like Cherries, I think it was. Something like that. I couldn't stand the record. I, know I, I don't know what it record. was. Like DNA well, and Hank Love used to play it. Only people. I, I know one thing, though. <laughs> I know when they dropped that top billing, though, that was a game changer. It changed the whole game, but it was a very weird record. A lot of people didn't like the record. A lot of DJs didn't participate with that song. Red Alert never liked that song. Never. Never. He said, I wouldn't, put, I wouldn't feed my dog dog food on this on this. Why, not? Why didn't he like it? I don't know. It's just something. I don't know if it was their personality or what it was. Or it was a Harlem thing or, you know, I, I don't know what it was. But he didn't like the record. But that beat has been sampled so many damn times. Oh, they eat very well. It's ridiculous. They eat very well off that. It's ridiculous how many times people have sampled um, Top Billing. To this day. From the Go Brooklyn part to the to just the beat, period. To this day, to this yeah, day, to right now, day. yeah, right now. And then light drop, cram to understand you, and that took off because she. I mean, at that time, what do you had? You just had salt and pepper, yeah, baby, sweet tea, yeah, sweet tea, was sweet there. sweet tea, and so. And, but light was the was was the new energy that was coming in. Yeah, she had a new sound, and she was just so dope because even if she didn't write her stuff, she would say it like she knew it for years. Right. You know, so when I came in, I was really more as a writer when I came in. Really? I wrote more I wrote more stuff than I really put out over there. You know, like the like the basement flavor compilation. Uh-huh. That was about like what, 14 songs? Right. I did about maybe 13 of them. Okay. I wrote, I wrote the many styles. I did the survival of the fittest. Um Everything from uh, um, um, uh, the dudes who made Bustin' Loose, uh, uh, King of Chills group. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Did all that or did all of that stuff. Um, everything. I mean, I, I did the whole thing over there. Okay. You know, so you know, and then uh, some writing on um, "Lightest Rock" and a lot of other songs that I wrote that never gave me no credit for. You know what I'm saying? Still looking for my damn money. <laughs> <laughs> and then when did you and Light do y'all record together? Um, well, everybody was jumping off at the time, and I'm like, yes, I gotta get me, a, I gotta get me a heat up here, man. I, right. I, need, I need me a thing, you know. And uh, I said to myself, I said, okay, you got, you got to get creative, pies. You got to use your head. And I said, you know what? Marvin Gaye was my favorite artist, and I said to myself, if you was Marvin Gaye and he was rapping, what would he do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. So, but I mean, you think about his career. His career was all nothing but duets. Right. I mean, he did songs with, with uh, Tammy Terrell. Yes. Uh, Diana Ross. Yes, sir. Dionne Warwick. Yes, sir. Everything he did. I think he did some stuff with, Mar- with, Mar- with Marvin Reeves. He did with a Mar- lot Mar- of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it was all his stuff, but his major stuff was all duets. Right. And I said, you know what? I need to do a duet. I said, you know, I said, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna be the, the, the rapping Marvin Gaye. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, that's how I came up with I'm not having it. Okay. So I'm not having it was it. And that was the that was the that was the that was the mothership of, 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 of the whole guy girl. Was that was that the catalyst for it? That was it. That was what I I I got a man was just the 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 the, the sequel to I'm not having it. Yeah. You know, so but I'm not having it was 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 the but, floor. So when you did I got a man, why didn't you go back to light? Why did you decide? A lot of people thought that was a girl. Well, you know, I to this day, right now, a lot of people here, I got a man. I still say it is a girl. <laughs> they wonder who that female voice is, and uh, it's you. Yeah, it, it, it is me. But but it, it was a progression because the label wasn't treating me good. 
Okay. They would really, they would treat me like I was the stepson, you know. I was, I was Cinderella for real. I was like, well, he stays over here. We're going to go on the road. You know, and I was getting a lot of love. I mean, I'm signing autographs at this time. This is before self, the pictures, taking pictures with people. Right. Yeah, they, they, they stood around for you to sign. Yeah, piece of paper piece or whatever. Piece of paper, you know. Or your album cover. Your oh, your album cover, that's right. Album cover. So I'm signing autographs, and they, they see me taking off, and then uh, they, they put me on tour with, um, I think it was the Kumo D tour, the I Go to Work tour. Uh-huh. And I'm out with I, when I got a work tour, and me and Kane are hanging hanging tough like every day now. Kane is my right hand man. He's we we, we riding. So I, maybe they got a little little little, little, little jealous of the, the connection or whatever, you know, or maybe the, uh, the the success I was getting was going a little too fast, mm-hmm. and they couldn't kind of control it. So they told me when I was on the road, I got to go home. They couldn't afford to have me on the road. Kane, I told Kane, Kane was like, what? So Kane calls Carol Lewis. And she's on the three-way. He's like, well, does he got to go home? She said, I, I, I can't see them saying they can't afford to have him on the road. This is a promo tour. No, no, this, this, is, this is the Kumo D I go to work tour. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing good combination, step up front, and, and I'm not having it, you know? Right. On the, on, on the show. I'm doing those two songs, and then Light would come out, and I would come back, I'd come back out and do I'm Not Having It with Light. Okay. And we used to just wreck places with, with I'm Not Having It. Right. I mean, we used to destroy spots. And they told me I had to go home. And Kane was like talking to Carol Lewis, and she he was like, Well, does he have to go? Carol Lewis, for all y'all that don't know, was a, a big booking agent in New York City. Very, know. very big. One of the biggest agents. Was, was it Walter? Yeah. Was it William Morris? Norby Walters? No, no, was it Norby Walters? No, was it William? Was it Dan? Was it Norby Walters? Was it William, William Morris or something? I don't remember. Norby Walters the... is our agent. It was, Norby Walters is our agency, right? Carol Lewis is our agent. Yeah, okay, that's what it was. Eric Rock Camp. There, there, there you go. See how hip hop give you a reference? That's how you fact check. Right. <laughs> You know, so that's what it was, man. And they told me I had to go home, and she was like, "Kane, you, you are, you headlining the the show." Kane wasn't headlining; it was Kumo D's joint, but right. Kane was the was 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 the really the big the big draw. Right. And so Kane said, "Man, get your bags. You get on the bus. If you want to go home, you can go home." He said, "But if you want to stay, I got you." Oh wow! And I said, "Kane, if I stay, then I'm leaving. I'm leaving the whole label all together. I can't do this no more." Right. And Kane said, "Well, if you want to leave, I got your back. We get back what, home." What was that? What was that, that label? It was a uh, first priority. First priority. First priority, and go. it was going yeah. through Atlantic. It yeah. was independent in the beginning, but then it got picked up through through, through, through uh, Atlantic. Through yeah, Sylvia Sylvia Roan. Yes, they snatched it up over there, and it was going through Atlantic. Okay. Yeah. All right. And Kane told me to come on, let's go. And then we got off the road. We start working on some songs, and then um, he said, "What you got?" And I gave. I played. I got a man for him. Mm-hmm. And it was. Uh, I was. I was using slipping in the darkness at the time. Really. That's what it was. It was, it was going to slip in. And, yeah, that beat. Yeah. You know. And uh, and I, I showed him how I was pitching my voice up, so Light can learn her part. Uh huh. So he started playing with this this thing called the synclavier. If anybody knows about it, if you, old recording stuff. And uh, he went and he pitched up the, my, the vocal I did. And I'm like, Kane, that's not gonna work. And he was like, He's like, man, we gotta get you. I mess with Light. Use this. I'm right. Like, that ain't gonna work. And I know Freddie Fox walked into the studio. And I'll never forget it. Freddie Fox was like, Who's the bitch? <laughs> <laughs> and Kane said, See, I told you. You know, and I was like, Oh, man. But I still didn't hear it. I didn't right. hear it. And I had to work it till I couldn't recognize the sound anymore. With some of the best and most capable vehicles in the world, did y'all know that Ford Strong means more than just physical? See, Right now, Ford is sharing some of those inspiring stories of those behind the wheel who are accomplishing their goals, pursuing their dreams, or creating the world they want to live in. Built Ford Proud highlights D. Bryant, a Ford driver who has shown strength in how she 
is breaking boundaries to create change in her field and for those all around her. Dee Bryan is a professional stunt driver featured in over 100 films, movies, and shows. She began riding motorcycles at age 11. Dee has done stunts and many commercials, but she always finds herself gravitating toward four vehicles as a personal ride when she's off the screen. In fact, most of her stunt driving training took place in the Ford Mustang. Dee is one of those few females and even fewer African-American female stunt drivers in the industry. She constantly battles against racism, sexism, unfair representation, and many productions try to get around hiring female drivers. As part of her fight for equality, she co-founded the Association of Women Drivers, a stunt driving school where she helps teach other women to stunt drive. She is just one of our many examples that show us that Ford drivers span all walks of life, each with an individual story that shows how they are built Ford proud. Learn more about D. Bryant's story at Ford.com slash built Ford proud. Breaking the mold, strengthening communities, creating change. Real stories brought to you by Ford, built Ford proud. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is brought to you by Mickey D's. Seriously, the realest conversations always happen at a Mickey D's booth. All the best nights out end with a bite from Mickey D's. A full car ordering in the Mickey D's drive-thru is just the right amount of chaos. And listen, Mickey D's is the affordable answer to taking the whole fam to dinner. Everyone got their own Mickey D's moments. I know I got mine. I know everybody got their own Mickey D's moments because I do too. Go on and make some more delicious memories at Mickey D's. We live and breathe real. Whether you're searching for the latest sneaker, that iconic handbag, a timeless watch, or your next piece of classic jewelry, eBay authenticators are there verifying every detail of your purchase. Yep, we're talking each inch, stitch, tick, facet, and clasp that makes the piece you're searching for worthy of your collection eBay's authenticators are experts in their craft, true connoisseurs, and as leaders in their fields, they're making sure your items always arrive as authentic as your style. So go ahead, get that piece you've always wanted, and leave it up to the meticulous eyes of an eBay authenticator to make sure that watch moving is original, that glimmer is real gold, that rare sneaker is legit, or that handbag is really made of genuine leather, and never get faked over again. In a world full of fakes, it's time to get real with eBay's authenticity guarantee. Everyone deserves real. Visit ebay.com for terms. One in eight. That's how many people have worked at McDonald's and where some have continued their career. Where graduates of McDonald's Career Online High School program are now role models leading the next generation. Where aunties, uncles, cousins, and communities learn skills they can use in every aspect of life. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. One in eight have worked at McDonald's, and where you start stays with you. So, how did when, when did you flip the uh, the music? Because you said you were using "Slipping in the Dark," because you ended up using. Uh, Dun, 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 dun. I use so many dun. tracks. Oh, no, no, no. Who's that? Uh, Rescue me. Taste the honey. Taste the honey. That's yes, right. Sir. Yeah. Big shout out to Miss Johnson. Yes. I speak Miss Marie Johnson all the time. Yes. She calls me a lot. She said, thank you for buying my house and putting my kids to school. Yo, that's funny <laughs> how, how things go 360 because I was reading an article today before I came over here, and it was like the Rolling Stones had an article talk about the biggest, 50th biggest musical mistakes 
in pop culture, and one of them was that in 1979, the Grammys gave A Taste of Honey the Best New Artist Award, and then here we are talking about Taste of Honey That's right, right. Now. that's right. Yeah. Yeah, but sweet lady, man, talented group. And so why did you why did you switch it from um, well, slipping in the dark? You couldn't clear it. I just know it wasn't. I couldn't clear it. I just kept feeling it was razor blade. It was it was it was slipping into darkness. Kane changed it to razor blades. Okay. You know the, the break beat razor blades. Right. And, and I didn't like that. I said, man, it's just not it's not moving for me. But I kept razor blades. But I kept playing with the drums. The drums just wasn't doing it for me. Okay. You know, and then I had Daddy O come in to mess with the drums. I had Mark Sparks come in and mess with Shout the drums. Shout out Mark Sparks. I had, man, I had a zillion producers come in. And my man Lays from MOP came in. And he played lazy. with the drums. I, everybody messed with these drums. And Jazzy J messed with the drums. And then we were just in there one day. And we were just, my DJ LG was just going through some, some, some beats and whatnot. And he was just, I said, just, just pull everything out except the drums and just throw some stuff in and see what happens. Next thing I know, I heard, dun, 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 dun. I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah. And I was like, man, nah, man, you know, funky, you know, funky four plus four four. He said, that's kind of old. I said, okay, please repeat that one more time because when I talk about hip hop, a lot of times people don't understand the mindset that we had in those days of hip hop as far as samples were concerned. It was almost like if somebody used it, you don't touch it. You don't right? touch it. Yeah, it was like, man, fuck you for use it. Man, you don't want to use it. You, yeah, you can't do that. It's like anything, any kind of style. If it was a similar rhyme, if it was a word or a phrase, you, right. just didn't, you didn't touch it no more. It was taboo. Right. There's some things you just didn't do. Right. You know, and that's... And, 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 that, and thusly, when Light was going up against Antoinette and she hit Antoinette with the beat by the yeah. dope style taker, that was really, really taboo at that time. Exactly. It really, it really was. And... um. And you know, I mean, when I heard it, I was like, I said, but it's so dope, it's so dope, so dope. So I took it back to Jazzy, 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 lock this in with the drums that we got right now, you know? And Jazzy went and locked it back in, because he was just like, he, he was the master of the SB12 at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, it wasn't the Pete Rock, it wasn't Q-Tip, you know what I'm saying? It was Jazzy, Jazzy J was the original drum programmer. <laughs> you know, and he's nasty on actual drums himself, right. you know what I'm saying? But he programmed the drums like it was nothing, you know? Mm. But uh, he fixed it, he locked it back up, and I'm like, this is it. This is it. But now it was the girl's voice. I couldn't get this thing out of my head. You hated like, it? I hated it. I, I, to this day, I really still don't listen to it Come like on, Pop. No, I'm going to tell you something. Um, Charlie Mack, I'm doing a show for the 50th, 50th, 50th anniversary. Right. Uh, the Juneteenth for Charlie Mack in Philadelphia. And he's like, I want you to do the original record, the original. I'm like, dogs, I've never done the original ever, ever. Never. I've, I've never done the original record. I've always used the the, the Rescue Me from Taste of Honey, and then I kind of like spice it up and do other things within the song. Right. But I've never done the original record. I'm like, Charlie, I've never done this song, I think, about 25 years. I said, like, I got to find the original. Wow. Like, you got to give me a minute to find the original. Right. So I'm digging the original right now. I couldn't, I, I never did it. And you still don't like the girl vocals? I still don't like the girl's vocals. No, I don't. You know, that's what really pushed that record, right? It really was. You know, and it's so crazy because the record... Died, came back, died, and came back, and now I won't go nowhere ever. <laughs> ever again. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, man, I still, I still never liked that. That, that one record. of my favorite records that you have ever done is you and Grand Poobah. Oh, off the nobody can be you but you. That record was hard. Wow, right wow. Well, it's so funny you mentioned that. This is this, this is this is how things work. Poobah just called me last night. Last night, and he, he just got a new situation he's doing right now. And we had a song we was working on that we're getting ready to do now. So, 
And um, that's and, dope. And we was on the phone chopping it up over the phone last so night. So you were you were around Pooba with your career, Light early in her career, Audio Two early in the career, Kane, Modi, all of these people. So you saw Brand Nubian become a thing. I hope Brand Nubian get together. I don't know how this story, what they're doing. I don't know how they, they tell a story. Tell me the story. I don't bro. know what it is. Okay, um, Dante Ross was working over Tommy Boy. Okay. And when I had my little my little thing, my little friction going with the first priority, he was like, listen, come to Tommy Boy. And um, he had heard a song I had called Nobody Move, Nobody Get Hurt. Yellow Man version I did. Yeah. But it was to this reggae beat that was insane. And he was like, I got this new girl named Latifah. He's like, come do that with her and come to Tommy Boy. I'll give you, the deal is done. Just come to Tommy Boy. Um, and he was like, I was like, man, I don't know if I go to Tommy Boy. So Nat Robbins was still petitioning to bring me back to first priority. Right. So he's offering me all this stuff. Man, you can drop a record anytime you want to. You can do anything you want to, your home, your family. So did you drop I Got a Man on first priority? Um, no, I didn't. I left. I did okay. that independently. All right. But um, but here it goes. Um, uh, Dante Ross is asking me to come to come to Tommy Boy. I said, listen, man, sign my boy, Pooba. Sign Pooba. So I take Pooba down to meet Dante Ross, and he's like, Pooba's dope, but he said, I don't see him as being a solo artist. You know, and uh, and, and Doctor Who, that was with uh, Master yes, Ceremony. Yes, yes, yes. He didn't want to, he didn't want to rap anymore. Okay. I think he got a job at the post office or something. <laughs> I think he's, he's retired now. Shout to Who. He made a good move. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, but um, but yeah, uh, he was like, yo, if he gets a group together, you know, I think I, I, I can work with it. So I remember Pooba had all these t- stacks of tapes of these, these artists. And I remember it was Derek X's first demo. It was called X Needs Money is the first one. X Needs Money is the next. And that's fact. And I, I remember uh, uh, Lord Jamal, his, his first demo. I don't remember the song, but he had a line in there that was so slick. It was uh, that's, that's when the love connection was out. He said, right. I'm like Chuck Willie. I'm trying to make a love connection. Right. And I was like, I said, yo, I said, you got to be kind of slick to say something like that. Right. I said, I like these two dudes right here. And Pooba had a whole bunch of dudes from New Rochelle he was going through with that. Wound up, it boiled down to Derek X and, and Lord Jamal. I never know. They, they always tell a story. They bumped into Dante Ross. I'm like, I, I don't remember that. <laughs> I wasn't even around when Dante Ross was, 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 right. was, was you know. But I, I took Puba to Dante Ross. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And Puba was like, yeah, I don't know what you know. I said, hey, it is what it is. That's their story. That's their journey. They can tell their thing. Bro. Right. And so and then so that was the first inclination of Brand Nubian and you well, were around. Is but, that the reason why you ended up? Well, here's the real story. On? The first song recorded on the Brand Nubian's album was that nobody could be you but you. And the first song they wanted to drop Grand was Puba, that joint. Yeah. Positive and LG. Yeah, that Nobody was the first song recorded. Oh, my God, that song. That was before, you know, put all for Y'all one, go all look that. that up. Look, go look that song. Before that's all cool. of that, that was the first song that was recorded. And that's the first song they wanted to drop. But then, you know, I knew I knew Lord and them got a little, they were like, oh, come on, man, why are you going, you know, you know, the guards already but, out here. Right, but were you not officially part of Brand Nubian? I was, I, you know, to me, I felt I was. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was picking them up every day, taking because, I, I was, I, you know, I had money at that time, you know what right. I'm saying? I was getting little shows and stuff, and I was going to New Rochelle getting Puba, and we was all going to the studio, you know, Calliope, and we was down in there, and I, most of the time it was just me and Puba. Right. You know what I'm saying? They, they weren't, I don't even think Lord Jamal and them deal was even done yet. Okay. You know, at that point in time. So, you know, but then when the deal got done, you know, they wanted to do the brain, the, the group thing. You know what I'm saying? And I was mm-hmm. like, yo, man, y'all get your thing going because, you know, I'm already rocking. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's how that went down. But those was my dudes, man. We used to go to Derek X's dorm and 
eat everybody's food out the refrigerator. <laughs> we got them kicked out of the dorms. Damn. <laughs> so y'all was doing the damn thing. We was rocking hard, man. When did you decide, you know what, I'm going to give hip-hop like a semi-break? Or do you still go out? And do well, stuff? I gave it a, I, I, I still go out, but I gave it a break uh, midway when I went into it. Me and my partner, Sincere Thompson, went into doing radio promotions. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Um, Big shout out to Sensei. Yeah, yeah. I'm the first guy who gave Wu-Tang their, their mailing list. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Shabazz and, and, and those brothers and, and, and RZA and um, I gave them the mailing list so they can do, do the Protect Your Neck. And then, and then we brought it through with Sincere through Polygram. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Because that's how I did my song Night Shift. Okay. It got mailed out through Polygram. And that's how I found one of your one of your partners, which was one of my one of my, my brothers, Dan Smalls. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? And I gave him his first job. You know what I'm saying? And I played Dan's <laughs> very first record when he was trying to promote records. I played his very first record. That's right. That's right. One and one round away records. And then he recently found it and played it for me again. <laughs> and I told Dan, I can't believe I played this bullshit. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. You know. <laughs> Hey, we was pushing records hard at that time, yes, man. Sir, we, yes, was, sir. We was used to stand outside the stage and wait for me. We was on 125th Street, man, sleeping on the floor, man. We was we was pushing records. And, wow. And that's when I kind of pulled away from, from rap for a minute going into the business. Tell about for you, who came to you and said you the biggest record? Oh, the biggest record? Uh, L.A. Reid. L.A. Reid came and, and wanted us. He said, hey, man, I want you to, to, to promote this record. Because at that time, I was like probably the, the hottest dude in the country. Uh-huh. you know. And I was doing promotion, and I had good relationships with DJs. You know, and uh, it was uh, it was Outcast. Outcast was the first one. Took it to Funkmaster Flex, and he wouldn't play it. Right, well, what, 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 what Outcast record was it? Uh, Southern Southern Play- Playlist. Cat- that's right. That's right. Slamming Cadillac Dolls, baby. Wow. You know? Man, we, we did a couple of them, but that was the first one. That was the first one, and Flex wouldn't play it. He was like, man, come on, man. You, you're killing me. He said, you're killing me. He said, you're killing me, daddy. You're killing me. I said, come on, man. I need about three spins this week. You know right. what I'm saying? And the next thing you know, he was like, no, no, no. We, we played it. No, it's done. We, 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 I think we're going to add it. Right. I'm like, oh, you like it? So, yeah, now we good. Wow. And, um, yeah. So that wow. was dope. This is before uh, Dre made his infamous remarks this, on. This is before then. This is, man, they, they just came in. First time it was ever seen was on um, Fab Five Freddy's show. What was the show? Young TV Rap? Young TV Rap. First time right. okay, it was ever seen. They were coming to do me in, in, in the studio, 125th Street. Right. Talking about the promotion and recording and me performing and doing stuff like that. And I had Outkast coming in. I just made them the focus. So that was the first time they were ever nationally seen was with, was with me. What, what, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So tell me about your transition. From... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Clark Kent. Um, uh, well, when I was with Kane, Kane had brought some rappers in uh-huh. other, than, other than myself. Uh, he brought in a, another guy named named Jay Z, right? You know, and he came from the Hawaiian Sophie fame. And you, all of you guys were doing stuff on uh, that was Liz. All of you guys were doing stuff on Kane's tour. Kane would Kane would come out and uh, and do and do a show, and he would take a break and do a do a set change. Right. So in the middle of that, he would say, "Yo, I got these two guys coming out, um, Jay Z and Positive K, and they're gonna they're gonna entertain you till I get back." Right. So he would he would do that, but you know, Kane was he was always extra. He made it. He made it stressful. Made it tense, you know? <laughs> he was like, "Listen, whoever had the biggest applause goes last, because you know you always want to go last, right? You know what I'm saying? Let Jay go first. They was like, "No, you go first, right? You know, Kane would tell Jay, "Yo, Paz don't respect your skills," and 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 he <laughs> he come back and tell me, "Yo, Jay only think you hot because you got records, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so he got me and Jay going at each other, 
You know what I'm saying? So we would share hotel rooms together and whatnot. Oh wow! At that point in time, yeah, because we can't wasn't paying for anybody to get their own room. Right. So me and Jay had to had had, had to had to share a room. Wow. So me and Jay got cool. We got close, and we we promised each other if I get on, I'm gonna come get you. Right. You get on, you come get me. So I got on. I went. I went and I got Jay. You know, and uh, I met with him and Dame Dash, and we shook hands on the co-venture deal because I already did night shift at this time. You know? Right. And um, at that point in time. Clark Kent, like you said, refresh my memory, Clark Kent had just got a job at Atlantic Records at A&R. So Jay called me back and said, yo, man, Clark got the job at Atlantic. Yo, we was going to roll over there with him. I said, I just wanted to make sure you was good. That's all. Right. You know, and uh, and that's how it went. And Jay went and got on at Atlantic, and, and the rest was history. Wow. Yeah. Damn. So you had all of these cats early in their career, bro. More than that, had Nas, too. How would how, you have Nas? Nas, came, Nas wanted me. Nas wanted to work with me, but he was with Search at the time. Right. And I wasn't gonna get down like that. He's like, "Yo, man, I pause. I roll with you." I said, "Man, just work out what you gotta do with Search." I said, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stab Search in the back like that." Right. You know what I'm saying? Cause we all came up through the Latin quarters together. You Absolutely. Know? Cause I, said, I wasn't gonna do him like that. And, and Nas was like, "Man, I, I respect that. I respect that." Right. So, but I had Nas. I like, had Jay. You know, um, Outcast broke that first out. Uh, Wu Tang for taking that first first out the gate. Wow, you know, so yeah. Wow, well, you done did a lot, bro. I touched, I touched a few things. This 50th anniversary got to recognize Pa's case yeah, for I, sure. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely. You now, know? tell me about your transition from that to stand up. Um, not an easy transition. Matter of fact, <laughs> matter of fact, still transitioning. You know what I'm saying? You know, I remember talking to you many times, like yo, I said, I, I know I could do this, I got this, but I just, I never felt comfortable. Uh -huh. You know, going up on stage and doing that because you was you was out there for, for you know doing your thing, hosting yeah. and doing stand up. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I'm like, you like, I said, man, Uptown is a is a hard room, man. It's a place called Uptown Comedy Corner. Mm -hmm. I said, man, this is a hard room. You're like, man, I go up there all the time. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care about nobody. <laughs> you know, I said, damn, man, you don't care. I said, Yo, that's a that's a rough room. Yeah, you know, especially but, um, when it was right down right in here in Atlanta down the, down the street. They moved it though, right? Yeah, they moved it. Yeah, yeah. It's in Hapeville. It's in yeah, Hapeville. yeah, it's in Hapeville yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, I host there like every Saturday now. Uh -huh. So I'm like I'm like a resident host. You know? But that's that's where you get your chops from. The I didn't I didn't know that. You know, I thought you can get some, you know like like work on some material and run up there and do that. But it does it doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't at all. Yeah, comedians, it don't. <laughs> it don't work like that because you all. will eat a biscuit. Yes, you will. <laughs> A dry biscuit, A too, dry biscuit. With no syrup. And you can hear tumbleweed floating <laughs> through that crowd. You hear crickets. You know you're doing <laughs> bad when you can hear people ordering drinks. That's you when you know you ain't hey, there. nobody you, laughing. You can hear somebody's stomach growling. Yeah, it's <laughs> bad. It's bad. You got to cut your losses at that point and say goodnight. And get your ass up hey, off that stage, Hey, listen, bro. man. You know, it took me a while to get comfortable eating the biscuit because you know what it was? A comedian came to me and he told me, he said, you know what? He said, he said you, got a, you got the ego of a rapper. He said, "You really got you got you got to get your mindset now. You're a comedian now, right? You're a comedian. You're not a rapper anymore. Stop trying to be a rapper. You're a comedian. But do people want you to do some of both? I got to do both. You know okay. what I'm saying? Matter of fact, that's my shortcut because now they know who I am, right? And then like when I start telling the joke, like you know, wow, well, you know, you know, this song came out. I used to date 22 year old supermodels, right? You know, now now date 45 year old chain smokers from Stone Mountain. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying?" <laughs> So you do a little bit of both. I do a little bit of both. Okay, yeah. Yeah. which makes sense. It makes sense. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you are you enjoying it more? What do you enjoy more? I, uh, you know, I always tell everybody this. I said, you know, rap is my wife, but comedy is my side chick. Okay, but, you know, but I love her though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you still do both. So you still do shows. I, sh I work. Let me tell you something. I think uh -huh. I work more now than I think back then. Why? You know what I'm Why saying? Do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I it's think almost like what's old is new again, right? I, that's one. That's one. That's one part of it. I mean, I think it's like you know the golden era is like that. It's that thing now. It's that it's that cachet that everybody wants to have on the show. Uh -huh. You know, I think it's a little bit easier to get the insurance money is a little bit you know cheaper to to to, to, to purchase other than the new. You know, murder, murder, death, kill music. They know we ain't gonna do nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah you know. We just wanna go home and go yeah, to sleep after you know, we have a good play time. Play with our keys in our pockets or right. something. You know, we <laughs> Our knees hurt. You know, we've been standing up too long. That's it. You, you know, know the show now, everybody in the lawn chair. Like, hey, you know, hey, <laughs> hey, listen, after the show, I'm gone. Right. You know what I'm saying? There's no hanging around no more trying to see what's happening. You know? When was when was there a downtime for you? There was a downtime. There was a period I was, you know, um, my mom's got real sick. You know, I'm a caregiver. Uh -huh. And mom's got real sick, man. It was a downtime. You know, cash got slow, and you just you had to weather that storm. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just got to skid and handle it, man. You know, and I and I skid and I handle it. And the next thing I know, there was a couple of big remakes. Shantae Moore came in with uh with um with a uh, with a uh, with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. With mm. you know, Shantae got a man, and right. I had a couple of other big remakes that came through. A couple of movie slots came in, and right. some cash came in. Things changed. The dynamic changed. <laughs> you know, and, you know, got a smile, got back on my face, and, you know, right. And uh, things just brightened up. When man. did you leave New York? I left New York maybe about 15 years ago, man. I've been going, I've been going a while. Yeah? Yeah, I've been going a while. Did I, you come to Atlanta first? I came, no, I came to South Carolina first. Okay. Because what it was at that whole time, and my man Dan Smalls will tell you, I just I was I was going crazy. Uh I had a chance to buy some some property. My grandfather used to share crop for some people. Right. It was about 400 acres. And I went and bought 400 acres, man. And it was and it and it it broke me down, man. Wow. You know, it really broke me down. I, I paid for that thing. I just sold it maybe about maybe about seven years ago. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But uh I paid for it that whole time of of, of making music and stuff. That's mm -hmm. where most of my money get. I didn't buy a lot of cars and a lot of jewelry and I didn't do a lot of lavish things. You know what I'm saying? I, was, yeah, I, was, I, never, I never saw you as a, a nah. big chain dude and all that. Never that. Stuff. Uh, I always like invested my money. I, I did records. Uh -huh. I, 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 you know, I had the studio, you know, bought the equipment and things like that, and you know, did promotions. But I never, uh, I never was, was the lavish guy. Right. Yeah, you know, but I bought that and I sold it, and that changed a lot of things too. That was good. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know that was a big piggy bank. You so know you moved from you sold all four hundred acres. All four hundred, yeah. My mom's got sick, and I said, you know what? Let me just cash in right now. And this is like my semi-retirement, her retirement. So I said, right. I said, let me just let me go. Right, and make it better for me to take care of mom. Exactly. And then you moved here. I, then I moved here to move to Atlanta. Okay. Well, I'm not in Atlanta. I tell everybody I'm in Atlanta. They say, I say, where you live at? I said, I'm in Gwinnett County. They're like, you're not in Atlanta. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You're that's not true. That's yeah. true. That's true. That's a big argument now. Yeah, it's a big <laughs> What's Atlanta? What's not Atlanta? <laughs> and, and, yeah, you and, know you don't live in Atlanta if you say Atlanta. Exactly. If you say all of, all everything like I do, you'll live. Well, the bottom line is- They people, say Atlanta. People from Atlanta don't stay in Atlanta. It's all New York now. <laughs> Everybody from out of town lives in Atlanta. Nobody, nobody I've been seeing, you've been seeing them T-shirts they walk around say Atlanta clothes. Yeah. They don't want to. They don't want to stay at all. They no more. It's like it's no more space. Don't y'all bring y'all asses yeah, down Yeah, it's gone now. Bye. It's really weird when you meet somebody that's actually born and raised here, and they're from Atlanta. Hey, listen, like I'm from the, the west side or something like that. You'd be like, really? I'm in the club. I say, everybody from Atlanta, make some noise. You don't hear nothing. You know, right? <laughs> you, know? you say New York or something like they, that. They go crazy. They erupt because we down here, man. That's what it is, yeah. We down here, yeah. and we should have been. Like, if you really think about it, the way things worked down here and the way it was. When's the last time you've been in New York? Uh, maybe about three months ago for a show. Okay, yeah. And how long do you stay when you go there? A day. 
<laughs> that's my point. That's my point. At least you can park your car down here, man. You ain't right. got to circle the block three times no more. Right. And somebody, you know even if you go somewhere and somebody asks you for $10 to park down here, you'd be like, what? Yeah. Are you crazy? Yeah. $10? I'm going home. Right. <laughs> New York City, man, you get four days out of me and my mother's still there, but Listen, I go back and I slice of pizza. Don't get me wrong. I still love y'all. Slice of pizza. Love y'all to death. Like, I have a beef patty, properly... Proper slice of pizza. That's it. Got to have everything that I need, but... A little Spanish food. Absolutely. A little chicharron de pollo. Absolutely. A little mojito, some totones. Got to have that, <laughs> but other than that... Yeah, I'm out. Mm-mm. I'm gone. I'm gone. Early, too. Or no tolls? That's right. Oh, come on. Come no on. No tolls. How much does it cost to go across the... the, the GWB now? Yeah. $18, You got to refinance your house it's, to go across the... Exactly. <laughs> It's the same bridge that it was when we was there before when yeah. it was four dollars. Yeah. Yeah, it ain't on. like you getting nothing for it. It used to be two fifty. Right. <laughs> it ain't like you get anything for it. It's not nothing. like I get a cup of coffee. Nothing. And, and the bitch that's at the toll they would say thank you. Now her shoes are tight. She mad at something for something. Tight something as fuck. They would say no thank you or nothing. So nah, listen, bro. I'm here for the duration, bro. Yeah, man. What's on the horizon, man? What's next? Well, hopefully, we, you and I go get together and start doing some comedy shows, man. I would love to. That'd be great, man. You know, I would love to. We can corner the market. They ain't gonna like us down there if we do that, though. They ain't gonna like us at all. Hey, they love, they love me. I love them back. Man. That's what it is. Come I love them back. I ain't trying to stop nobody else from eating. I just want to eat too. Come and laugh. Right. Just come, come and have, have a, a good time. Have a giggle and a no, wiggle. We, we definitely gonna do that, bro. Let's do that, man. Absolutely, man. Yes. Positive K in the building with me. It's come on, son. The podcast. Now get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Y'all keep God first. Everything else will fall into place. I'll talk at you, with you, to you, and about you. Next time, right here on Come On Side, the podcast. Kill it. Raphael on the track. Come on. Come on, This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out cigarsinternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced, engineered, and edited by Cam Quotes and Krista Hayes. Recorded out of Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast brought to you by Ed Lover. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.